Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, send it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Well, we bring you another episode of New World of Common. On today's program, we get a series of uh, vignettes from the European Front. This episode originally aired April 29, 1945, and the title is Report from the Front. and fury of the resurrection. There's a new world coming. Every Sunday at this hour, WMCA, in cooperation with the Citywide Citizens Committee on Harlem, brings you a series of vivid programs dramatizing Negro life in America based on the theme of Roy Otley's book, New World, are coming. Today we present Report from the Front, the dramatic eyewitness accounts of Negroes in action in the European theater of war, starring Canada Lee, Frederick O'Neill, and Charles Perry, written, produced, and directed by Mitchell Grayson. The other day, there was an item in the newspaper quoting General George Marshall, Chief of Staff of the United States Army, said General Marshall, The Nazi gasoline stocks are practically dried up. The Germans haven't fuel to move supplies, let alone armored vehicles and artillery. But their supply problem is far simpler than ours, as they are at home. Replacements of tanks is also relatively easy for them. A Nazi tank seriously damaged goes to a factory not far away. But when our armor is knocked out, it is lost if it cannot be repaired on the field. Repairing tanks on the field is vital to holding newly won positions gained by our victorious armies, vital to the men who are marching ahead through town after town in the European theater of war, vital to the final Allied victory in Europe. Today, 170 Negro soldiers of the 228th Tank Retrieving Company are moving into battle areas under shell fire to rescue ripped-open tanks, trucks, and jeeps, which they haul back behind the lines to be repaired and then return them to combat. Here is the story of Lieutenant John M. Couch of the 228th Tank Retrieving Company, as reported from Allied Force Headquarters overseas. Uh, I'm from Chicago. I used to be a postal clerk in the daytime. At night, I was a pre-med student at Northwestern University. Well, that was before I was assigned to the 228 tank retrievers. I had plenty of stories to tell about our outfit. One's about as important as the other, but there was a time when two platoons of the company were sent to southern France to retrieve 7th Army tanks. We worked on the battle lines near the Swiss border. We were driving our 45-ton trucks. Those trucks are as large as a suburban bungalow. <laughs> well, we were searching the roads. That road ahead of us were fallen tanks. Hey, Lieutenant? Yes, Sergeant? What's that up ahead of us? Where? Just off the side of the road, straight ahead of us. Here. Here, look for, look for these binoculars. Hey, looks like a few tanks. Yeah, well, what's on them? Stars or swastikas? Stars? Well, let's race out there and get them. Hey, 
Like it may be a trap. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that myself. Say, look at our men. They're being forced to retreat beyond that hill. The Germans must have us outnumbered. What do you think we ought to do? See, we counted 15 damaged American tanks on this road. Is that right? Yes, sir. I'll give you one guess what we'll do. Okay, sir. Signal the other trucks behind us to get those tanks picked up and loaded aboard. Yes, sir. We've got 15 tanks to save. No time to lose. Hop to it. Lieutenant, look. What's up? German troops coming up from the other side of the hill. Great Scott. What's your order, sir? They're marching on foot. Infantrymen. I don't see any mechanized troops, do you? No, sir. They're just marching. See, I judge they're about a mile and a half away. Yes, sir. Well, what are we waiting for? We just wasted 15 seconds talking. <laughs> well, I'm here to tell the story, so I guess you must know what happened. Well, we got those 15 tanks off the road in exactly 10 minutes. And while we were sweating it out, we could see the Jerry's advancing on us. They tried shooting at us, but they didn't get a single one of us. They didn't get our tanks either. <laughs> kind of proud of my outfit. In the 11 months that we've been overseas, we Negroes in the 228th Tank Retrieving Company have hauled back 2,000 tanks for salvage and repairs. And that's not counting the German armor and other equipment we picked up for barn rallies in the United States. Well, all in all, this amounted to about... 64,000 tons of tanks saved from falling into the hands of the Germans. And the estimated cost of these tanks is about $70 million. And all of this without losing a single man in our company. <laughs> Tell you, it's a record we're all mighty proud of. Negro soldiers are not only salvaging tanks and mechanized equipment for our armies abroad, but they are also fighting in tank units attacking the fascist armies on the field of battle. One such unit is the 761st Tank Battalion, fighting somewhere on the Western Front under the direct command of Pistol Packin' General George S. Patton, Jr. A few days ago, Lieutenant William E. Blake of Atlantic City, New Jersey, a former member of the 761st Tank Battalion, was in Washington, recalling how he was wounded while dashing across southern France with General Patton's 3rd Army. We knew General Patton needed our tanks, and we'd been trying for days to catch up with him. When we were assigned to the 3rd Army, the morale of our men went sky high, and we set out at once to join it. A few days later, however, we were all in the dumps. Ah, what's the use of going on, Bill? He's too far ahead of us. We'll never catch up to him. Yeah, he's traveling so fast, he'll be in Berlin before we can catch up with the 3rd Army. I know. I know how you feel, fellas. But what will we do? Anyone have any suggestions? We'll wear out our tanks before we catch up with that gang of fast rollers. Well, let's not moon about it. I'll think I'll hand in my resignation from this war. I'm going to resign. Now what's griping you, Johnny? Now here we get the best assignment in this whole war. We get orders to join General Patton's 3rd Army. So what happens? We start out the meeting. And we find that he's moving so fast we can't even catch up with him. I want to resign. Don't be a comedian, Johnny. Wait a minute. I just got an idea. Yeah, what? Ah, don't keep us in suspense. Spill it. Come on, come on out with it. Take a look at our tanks. What do you see? Tanks? No, I'm serious. Look, fellas. We've been making 50 to 60 miles a day. That's because we've been traveling with our steel combat tracks on. We could make 90 to 100 miles a day if we took those steel tracks off and put on our fast rubber tracks. Say, that is an idea. Certainly. That's one way to catch up with those two ivory-handled pistols. What do you say? Shall we change the rubber tracks? Listen, man, I'm changing mine right now. Let's all change it. Yeah, yeah come on. And then race like hell and catch him. 
I never dreamed that any army could move so fast while fighting, but General Patton's Third Army did. And we actually did 90 to 100 miles a day when we finally overtook him. They say at one time, headquarters had to drop maps to General Patton by plane because the Third Army ran off the maps that they started with and no one from headquarters was able to catch up with the general on the ground. When finally, the men of the 761st Tank Battalion caught up with General Patton, he was waiting impatiently for supplies at Nancy, France. We were in battalion formation when the order was given to man all guns. Suddenly, a bunch of jeeps loaded with MPs and 50 caliber machine guns rolled in and took up strategic positions. Something was in the wind. We didn't know quite what. But whatever it was, it was important. Suddenly, a single jeep came dashing up and stopped beside an armored scout car. A three-star general jumped from the jeep and vaulted up on the hood of the armored car. And when I saw his two ivory-handled pistols, I knew I was looking at Lieutenant General George S. Patton, Jr. Now, I'm not going to waste any words. I'm going to tell you what we intend to do and expect you to do it. We're on our way to Germany. And I'm banking on you men of the 761st to help the Third Army get there. Now, I don't care what color any man is. As long as he gets out there and kills those dirty rats in the green suit. That's all I want to say. Good luck. And I'll see you when the battle's over. seems like a dream now that I look back on it. When General Patton struck at a town 3,000 yards from the German border, I was a liaison officer between the 26th Infantry Division, known as the Yankees, and a company of tanks from my battalion attached to the New Englanders for support. When we entered the city, I was located in a building that was between me and the di direction from which Jerry's artillery shells were coming. Then I received orders to report to the regimental command post for instructions. It was pitch dark, and the only way I could find my way up the streets was by hugging the building as I went along. Well, just as I got outside my building, a German shell landed on the outskirts of the village. Well, this made me feel pretty good, for I figured Jerry didn't have the range yet, and I'd be able to make it to the command post before he got it. But I guess I was wrong. I heard a bomb scream over my head, and I flattened out on the ground close beside the building. The shell landed on top of the building, and a big pile of debris fell in the middle of my back as I lay there. The concussion stunned me, and I lay there for quite a while. Finally, I got myself together and began crawling onto the command post. I decided it would be best if I didn't tell anyone about my injury. I didn't want to be separated from my outfit on its way to Berlin. I wouldn't risk being sent to a hospital behind the lines while the fellows in my outfit headed east through Germany. Well, a tank outfit fights for two days, and then it needs a third day to make repairs. Say, what do you think of this outfit, Bill, now that we... In the thick of it. It's what we've been wanting all along. <laughs> did you ever think it'd turn out this way? What do you mean? Fighting with General Patton? Uh-huh. Sure I did, if we ever caught up with him. I just finished a letter to my folks back home. I'm going to drop it off at the next mail station if we get time to stop for a minute. Your family and mine ought to be plenty proud of what's happened to our particular outfit. Did you tell them about what old blood and gut said? No, no. I'm going to save that until I get a leave. 
as a story has got to be told face to face. But I did tell them, though, about uh, how we were sent out to take the pressure off the fighting, fighting there near Baston there yesterday. Told them how we moved so fast and fought so often that at one time we had only nine out of 54 tanks ready to fight. <laughs> no gentle patent call for that nine. We give them to it. Say yes. Yes. Am I seeing things? Or are those the fourth armored tanks coming toward us? Say, that's the fourth armored division, all right. Why, just yesterday they were sent out to spear the attack on the Jerry's. And now they're coming back as we're going up. That's funny, isn't it? Say, there's a tankman just stopped. Let's go and ask him what's up. Yeah, come on. Buddy, what's happened to the 4th Armored? What'd you say? I said, what's happened to the 4th Armored? Are you retreating? Retreating? <laughs> we never heard of that word before. We blasted the town 15 miles up ahead of the front. And then we turned around and came back to help you guys as you went into the frontal attack. Hey, that's terrific strategy. It sure is. And boy, we in a terrific outfit. <laughs> For a total of eight days, I managed to keep up with the grueling advances of General Patton's forces. Then it happened. I fell on the side of the road with a stinging pain in my spine, exhausted. Uh, yeah. Easy there, easy there. You're, you're all right now. You're all right. Where, where am I? You're in an American field hospital. Your division went on ahead without you. You've been badly hurt. What? What, what do you say? Who are you? I'm a doctor attached to the medical corps. Captain Gardner is my name. What happened to me, sir? Well, you suffered some serious injuries to your spinal column. You're going to be evacuated to a hospital far behind the line. Evacuated? Yes, Lieutenant Blake. We're planning to send you to the hospital at Rand. You'll be there for a little while, and then you'll be flown to England. Possibly after that, you'll be taken back to taken the United back. States. You've seen all of this war that you're going to see. As a matter of fact, from now on... You're out of it. So I'm back in the States now, on leave from Camp Pickett, where I'm still receiving hospital care and treatment. In the past couple of weeks, I've been reading in the papers what General Patton's armored troops have been doing. I guess you have too. I'm sorry I'm not back there fighting with them. But one thing I'm glad of, Negroes are fighting in the tank battalions and are doing a fine job. There's no color discrimination in that division. A white soldier's life depends on the fighting ability of a Negro soldier or vice versa. Together, this war is being fought by colored and white Americans. And together, we're going to make sure to share the victory. <laughs> That was the story of Lieutenant William E. Blake of Atlantic City, New Jersey, a former member of the 761st Tank Battalion, attached to General Patton's Third Army. Negroes are today fighting in all branches of the armed services, tanks, infantry, Navy, and Air Forces. When Roy Otley, the author of New World of Coming, returned to the United States after his roving assignment as war correspondent for the newspaper PM, he told of an incident which happened in the Mediterranean theater of war. An incident which that time has since been told and retold by the men in the service fighting on the Italian front. Here's the story. There's an inspiring story making the rounds of the European battlefront today. It's, it's the story of the Red Tails, an all-Negro fighting group with top-notch morale, which has run up an enviable record in sky battles from North Africa to Germany. 
I've seen hundreds of silver-colored planes with glistening red tails sparkling in the sun, swooping gracefully out of the bright blue sky, peeling downward at tremendous speed, and with sputtering blasts from their high-powered engines straighten out to land on makeshift dirt runways somewhere in the Adriatic. The red tails are the all-Negro fighter group of the 15th Air Force, commanded by Colonel Benjamin Davis, Jr., son of Brigadier General Davis, the highest-ranking Negro officer in the United States Army. The red-tailed flying P-51 Mustangs have blasted enemy targets from North Africa to France, from Italy to Yugoslavia, Hungary, and Germany, escorting bombers to targets in Ploesti, Sofia, Salerno, Friedrichshafen, and Munich. In one day alone, they had gone up nine times on nine successful bombing missions and returned to win the commendation of General Montgomery. The main task of this fighter group has been to protect our bombers against enemy fighters. They fly as a protective wing in front, behind, and on the sides of the great American bomber fortresses. Returning from a mission over southern France one day, a red-tailed flyer noticed a crippled bomber limping homeward. The men in the bomber, ten of them, were all white flyers. Inside the bomber, they were deciding what to do about their ship. Captain, I've just been out there on the wing of the plane. Those two motors have been badly damaged by enemy flak. They won't hold up much longer. Pretty bad, huh? Yes, sir. Hmm. I'm losing speed. Be an easy target if any Jerry showed up suddenly. Blow us to kingdom come, sir. There only two things we can do under the circumstances. Yes, sir. We can either bail out here on enemy territory and be captured, or we could try to limp back to our base. We're losing more speed, sir. Well, that's too bad. We'll drop far behind the other planes on this mission. We're out here alone now. Give the order to bail out. Rear gunner to pilot. Rear gunner to pilot. Pilot to rear gunner. Go ahead. Say, Captain, I just spotted a plane at 11 o'clock. Uh, can't make out whether it's an enemy plane or not. Better not take any chances. It's probably a jerry. If he gets too close, let him have a burst. Yes, sir. All gunners stand by. Plane approaching 11 o'clock. Here he comes. Pilot to rear gunner. How'd you make out, shorty? I missed it. Wait a minute. Hold your fire. The pilot in that plane's trying to signal us. Holy mackerel, it's a red tail fighter, one of the Negro flyers. He's rocking his wings to show us he's an American. I'll contact him through our radio. Hello? P-51 red tail. Hello, P-51 red tail. Can you hear me? Over. Yes, I can hear you. You're pretty badly shot up, aren't you? Yes. Two of our motors are out of commission. I noticed you're in trouble. I broke away from the squad to give you a hand in case an Nigeria start to attack you. I'll stick with him and give you some protection. Think you can make it back to the air base. Over. That's great. We're just going to bail out. But if you can stay with us, we'll get back to the base. Okay? Okay. Let's go. P-51 to Liberator. P-51 to Liberator. Go ahead, P-51. How are you doing? Think you'll hold out all right? Over. It's only about another hundred miles back to the base. We've been losing more and more speed, but I think we'll just make it if nothing else interferes. Hold it just a minute. I think I see something. What is it, P-51? Yes, I do. Not so good. Two Jerry planes at 4 o'clock coming up pretty fast. Can you handle them? I think so. I'll peel off and take care of them. You keep staying on your course and I'll pick you up on the way home. Okay, go to it. Roger. And good luck. Roger. Liberator. 
you make out? Webby, ain't it? It certainly are. And they ain't bothered us anymore, are they? No, they're not. And that's it. I got one, the other one turned around and went home. Thanks, buddy. You saved our lives. When the bomber approached the nearest Allied base, they found they had other trouble. The bomber's undercarriage had been shot away and it was forced to crash land. Luckily, no one was hurt. When the Negro red tail flyer landed directly behind them, and the white fellows rushed out across the field, lifted him out of his plane onto their shoulders, they started to kiss him on the cheek. Their lives were saved by this Negro red tail pilot. That's a true story. And here's the payoff on the Red Tails. In more than a hundred combat missions on which the Red Tails have given escort cover to their big friends, the long-range heavy bombers, they have not lost a single ship to enemy figures, a record the entire army is proud of. You've been listening to New World of Cummings dramatization, Report from the Front. Written, produced, and directed by Mitchell Grayson. And starring Canada Lee, Charles Perry, and Frederick O'Neill. Others in the cast today included Fred Carter, Don Gibson, John Adair, and Paul Mann. We invite you to be with us again next Sunday at 3 past 3, when we will again present New World of Cummings. Music by James Lazito was conducted by Jerry Sears. The theme song was composed by Duke Ellington. If you'd like to attend a broadcast of New World of Coming, you may obtain tickets by writing to WMCA 1657 Broadway, Zone 19, New York City. And they will be forwarded to you at once. Your announcer is George Willard. This was a public service feature of WMCA. Women of America, this is a straight-from-the-shoulder, unvarnished appeal to you for help. As you know, thousands of American men are being wounded on far-flung battlefronts today. Every hospital overseas is filled to capacity, and casualties are now being returned to this country at the rate of more than 1,000 every day. Registered nurses are needed to care for these hospitalized men in both Army and Veteran hospitals. If you are untrained, by offering your services for even a few hours a day, you help release a trained nurse for the important work of bringing wounded men back from the battlefronts. So whether you're trained or untrained, whether you're young or old, you're needed desperately to help in relieving the present nursing crisis. Won't you go to your local Red Cross chapter tomorrow and learn where and how you can serve? Welcome back. I get the distinct impression that they edited General Patton just a tad. But these were some good stories that brought some real-life perspective to the war. That will do it for today. If you uh, have a comment, email me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. I welcome your story or that of loved ones who served during World War II. Ken Curlin provides our opening theme music, kencurlin.com. I am your host, Adam Graham. 
This uh, series is provided as a service of the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio, greatdetectives.net.